This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible, and we do appreciate those of you who are watching at this time. Very likely we have some that are watching today for the very first time, and of course we have those who watch every time we're on the air. Thank you so much for watching today. Now today on our telecast, we're going to be reading a passage from the Old Testament, actually in the book of Job, and, and our topic today for discussion is this, God will take care of you. God will take care of you. I hope that you'll stay tuned as we discuss this subject today. Now, on getting to know your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. I'd like to emphasize that this course is free. We're not asking for money. We're not asking for a donation. We simply want to make this available so that you can learn more about the Bible. In order that you might learn more about the course, that you might learn how to receive it, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 365 or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm reading now from the book of Job, chapter 5, and I'm going to be reading verse 17 through verse 19. Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore do not spise the chastening of the Almighty, for he bruises, but he binds up. He wounds, but his hands make whole. He shall deliver you in six troubles. Yes, in seven, no evil shall touch you. God cares. Yes, God cares about you. All through the Bible, the message is that the God in heaven is a God of concern, a God of compassion, a God of pity, a God of love, a God of grace. He is a God who cares about you. In the New Testament and Hebrews the 13th chapter and verse 5, the promise is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we know that God has promised that He will never leave us and that He will never forsake us. In 1 Peter 5 and 7, we're told, Casting all of your care on Him, for He careth for you. Yes, God cares for you, and God will take care of you. In the 37th Psalm and verse 25, David said, I have been young, now I am old. Perhaps some watching the telecast can make that statement. I one time was a young person, but now I'm older. 
For David said, I've been young, but now I'm old. Yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. So David's observation about God's taking care of his people was an observation of a lifetime. The Lord said in Psalms 34, verse 15, The eyes of the Lord over the righteous, and his ears open to their prayers. And that's quoted in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 12. Indeed, God cares for you. The text that I have just read to you from Job chapter 5 is a great promise from God Almighty about taking care of His people. I want us to make some observations from the fifth chapter of Job. And the first one is that God will take care of the physical needs that we have. Notice first verse 20, it says, In famine he shall redeem you from death. And then in verse 22, You shall laugh at destruction and famine. So even if there should be a famine, even if there should be a lack of food for the world, the promise is that God will take care of you. You might remember that when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, God fed them and gave them manna from heaven. He was taking care of their physical needs. In the sixth chapter of Matthew, Jesus was talking about uh, the problem of worry, beginning about verse 25. And he talked about the fact that we should not worry about what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, or even what we're going to wear. And then he used some illustrations. He used the fowls of the air that they sow not, neither they, they reap nor gather in the barns, but the Father, Father in heaven feeds them. And then he talked about the flowers of the field, the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. He said, I say unto you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? God's going to feed the birds. He's going to clothe the flowers of the field. And so I know that God will take care of me. And he is capable of providing the physical needs that I have. In Philippians, the fourth chapter, in verse 19, Paul said, My God shall supply all your needs. And that's not only the spiritual needs that we have, but the physical needs we have as well. In Matthew 6 and 33, Jesus said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things. Well, what things, Jesus? Well, food and your shelter, and your raiment, and things of that sort. All of the things that are necessary for life and for our existence will be given to us. But it's a condition. We put the kingdom first in our lives. We put right living first in our lives, seeking God's righteousness first in our lives. And the Lord's promise that all of those things are going to be added unto us. It was the late T.B. Larimore who once said, we need but little here and need that little long, and that's true. 
And so long as we're in this world, if we have food and we have raiment, Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 6 said, let us therewith be content. And God will supply our needs. James 1.17 says that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above. From the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Our God is so good, He will take care of our physical needs. And we need to be grateful for the physical needs that He supplies. In the 103rd Psalm, in verse number 2, the psalmist said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. We should never forget the fact that God takes care of us. He will take care of our physical needs. We may not have all we want. We may not have all of our desires satisfied. But God has promised that He will take care of us. But God also will take care of us in time of physical danger. I want you to look at verses 20 and 21 again. In famine He shall redeem you from death, and in war from the power of the sword. Think about that. God will redeem us from the power of the sword. You shall be hidden from the scourge of the tongue, and you shall not be afraid of destruction when it comes. God's going to take care of us. He'll take care of us in time of physical danger. Early Christians were threatened. Sometimes they were imprisoned, but God took care of them. Where are they now? You say, well, they're with the Lord. Absolutely. God will take care of us. He calms the seas in our life. Isn't that a wonderful thought? That He is a God who can calm the seas in our life. Paul was a prisoner on his way to Rome. He was on a ship. There was a storm that arose and the sailors on the ship were afraid. And Paul said to them, Sirs, be of good cheer. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Well, what were you told? Paul, you're going to Rome. So I'm going to Rome and there will not be loss of life with those that are on this ship. And Paul had that kind of faith in God. God is the God who can calm the storms in our lives. And I know right now that I'm speaking to some people who have a lot of storms in their lives. You feel like the waves are almost ready to overwhelm you. You really don't know what to do. But when the worst happens, when the worst happens, remember, God will take care of you. Why, when we get to the point that we're going to be walking through the valley of the shadow of death, the psalmist said, Thou art with me. He said, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. So God will take care of you. God will take care of your physical needs and He will take care of you when there's danger that is coming your way. But, but a third thing that God will do for us is He will take care of us when we are criticized. Now there's no one who has lived any length of time on this earth that has been exempt from criticism. 
It doesn't make any difference who we are. Somebody eventually is going to criticize us. I have been received criticism from some who've watched our telecast. That is, they, they, some things they've questioned. And they say, well, I just don't see it that way. I don't believe it the way you preach it and, and that sort of thing. Well, I, I, I'm not upset about their criticism. And I would urge them to search the scriptures to see if things that we're teaching here are true. But you know, criticism hurts, doesn't it? It hurts us. The Bible says in Proverbs, the 26th chapter, that, that the words, and this is not criticism but gossiping, that the words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. When somebody talks about us and they gossip about us and they say things about us or they slander us, then that hurts. Notice verse 21. You shall be hidden from the scourge of the tongue. And the tongue sometimes is used like a scourge. It's used like a whip. Have you ever wondered why people are critical? Have you ever wondered why people criticize other people? Well, one thing, I, I think some people, just in out of sheer delight, they do it. They just criticize other people because they just really enjoy doing it. I, I think another reason that some people criticize is because what they want to do is to tear you down. They want to destroy you. They want to destroy your spirit. They want to, dis to dishearten you. They might even want to destroy your, your reputation, damage your influence. They just do it to tear you down. I, I think another reason that people criticize is to compensate for their own feeling of inadequacy in their own life. They don't feel adequate. They, they, and, and so to make up for their feeling of inadequacy, they begin to criticize other people to try to make it appear that they are more inadequate than they are. But I think another reason that sometimes people criticize is just to get the spotlight off themselves. You see, if, if you can begin to criticize me and heap a lot of criticism upon me, then nobody's looking at you. No, no one is looking at you. And I've, for a long time, for many years, I've had a sort of a homespun theory about people that are always critical and always finding fault with other people. I have long believed that they really have something in their life that they don't want other people to know about. So the best way to camouflage that is to criticize somebody else and get the spotlight off themselves onto someone else. But God has promised that he is going to take care of us when we're criticized. Let me tell you what Jesus said about this. In Matthew 7, Jesus said, Judge not that you be not judged, but for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. You better be careful in judging people because we are people who have feet made out of clay. And it can boomerang on us and come back on us. And the judgment that we've heaped upon others and the condemnation that we've heaped upon others and the criticism that we've heaped upon others and the fault finding that we've heaped upon others can come boomeranging back to us.
and it can condemn us. We're never going to please all people. The Lord Jesus Christ, the, the, the man who lived above sin and without sin, never pleased all people. And if the Lord couldn't please everyone, I know, I just know in my own heart, I'll never please everyone. But the Lord will take care of us when we're criticized. But let's notice something else here from Job chapter 5. And that is God will take care of you when it seems as though the world is crumbling around us. Now notice verses 21 and 22. You shall be hidden from the scourge of the tongue. You shall not be afraid of destruction when it comes. You shall laugh at destruction and famine, and you shall not be afraid of the beast of the earth. So when it seems as though the world is crumbling, God will take care of you. Sometimes we wonder, what am I going to do? Here's someone doesn't have a job now. The bills are piling up. They don't know what they're going to do. They have a family to support. They have children that need food on the table and they need clothes to put on their back and, and, and they need things that they're going to have to have in school and they, they don't have the money for that. And they wonder, what in the world am I going to do? What am I going to do? I want you to know that when the world seems to be crumbling around us, there's still a God in heaven. Sometimes we get the nervous jitters because we wonder about the future. We wonder about the future of America. We wonder about what's going to happen in our world. We wonder what's going to break out next in some remote place around the world where, where we'll have to send troops to, to, to fight some kind of an evil force in that place. Oh, yes, we, we have all kinds of things that, that make us at times think the world is just falling apart at our feet. But in those times, there was a God in heaven who is called the God of peace. Philippians 4, 9. And He is a God who can bring some tranquility on the sea of confusion and on the sea of turmoil. He can bring tranquility and peace into our lives. You see, He is a God of peace. And He says to us, be of good cheer. You know, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us, Romans chapter 8. And we are not in a posture of defeat. In Romans 8 and 31, the Bible says, If God be for us, who can be against us? Sometimes it appears that Satan is, is winning the battle. But I want you to listen to this passage of Scripture. The Lord is in His holy temple. Let all of the earth keep silence before Him. I'll back up chapter 2 and verse 20. There is still a God who is in control of everything that happens in our world, everything that happens in every country of the world, and everything that happens in your life. He's in control. God 
will take care of you. But let's notice something else from this text. God will take care of you in the midst of domestic tranquility. Look at verse 24. You, you shall know that your tent is in peace. You shall visit your dwelling and find nothing amiss. Visit your tent and find nothing apiece. Amiss, rather. Because of God, there can be tranquility and there can be peace in the world. The whole earth is at rest and peace, Isaiah 14 and verse 7. And that comes because of God. Sometimes we wonder, what can we do for our nation? One of the things we can do for our nation is to pray. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, we, we are exhorted to pray for all that are in positions of authority. That would include the rulers of the nation, the presidents, the kings, and the like. And then we are to pray for peace. And we are to pray that we can lead a quiet and peaceful life in all holiness and in godliness. We need to be praying for peace. We need to pray fervently that in our own nation and in all of the nations of the world, that men and women everywhere will have the privilege and always have the privilege of worshiping God without the fear of being harmed or hindered from doing so in any fashion. In days gone by, during the days of the early church, there were those that were harmed and hindered from worshiping God. But may we pray that there will be peace in our nation, that there will be peace in the world in order that we might serve God Please God, worship God, work for God, one day be with God in eternity. God will take care of you. And then God will take care of your family. Look in verse 25. You shall also know that your descendants shall be many and your offspring like the grass of the earth. You know the Bible tells us how to have a good family. Go to Ephesians, the fifth chapter. And in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul said, Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. As unto the Lord. And then he says, Husbands, love your wives. You love your wife. Even as Christ also Love the church. He's talking about it, the relationship here between a husband and wife. The wife is to stand beside her husband, to follow his leadership. The husband is to be a leader. He's to be a real husband to his wife. He is to love his wife enough that he will try to be the leader in his home. And he will treat her with such love and tenderness 
the kind of love and tenderness that existed between Jesus and the church. You see, the Bible tells us how to have a good home. And oh, that we could have fathers that would be like Joshua of old, who said, it's for me and my house will serve the Lord. Think what would happen in, just in America, if tomorrow, if tomorrow, every father were to gather the family together, gather all of the children together, gather his wife together, and say, now I've got an announcement to make. From this day on, we will serve the Lord. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing that every child would have a father and a mother, that every home would have God and Jesus in that home, that it would be a home where you could find Bible reading and find prayer because you see the father is now going to lead in the home and he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The most valuable thing that we can give to our children is not a name to wear. It's not necessarily education. The most valuable thing we can give our children is knowledge of God. To love God with all of their heart, with all of their soul, and with all of their mind, and with all of their strength. We best do that by leading them by example. Let me ask you, good man, are you a Christian daddy? Are you a Christian daddy? Can you look into the faces of your children and say, now I want you to be like daddy because daddy's trying to be like Jesus Christ. Are you a Christian? In order to be a Christian, you must believe in Jesus, John 8, 24. You must be willing to repent of your sins, Luke 13, 3. You must be willing to confess faith in Christ, Romans 10, verse 9 and verse 10. You must be willing to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, Acts, uh, Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 38, Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. And you live a faithful Christian life. And you don't send those children to church, you take them. Would you not do that for your own children's sake? Let me tell you, God will take care of us. He's a great God. He is a great God. In the closing moments, may I, I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. You're going to find people who believe in God and believe in Jesus and believe in the Holy Spirit and believe the Bible and people who trust God with all of their heart and lean not on their own understanding, knowing that He will take care of them. I want to thank you for watching. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Getting to know your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, 
Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles. <laughs>